Well, one thing I know for sure, Clay Brown doesn't need a gas-powered shovel. He's got Margaret. I'd put her up against any gas-powered shovel. I've seen her work. So he doesn't need that for sure. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah 5. Our passage tonight will be verses 20 through 31. Now this morning we talked about remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus, memorializing Him, and understanding exactly what that means. Now our focus tonight is going to be similar to that. I want us to think along those lines, but I want us to remember something else. I want us to remember who we are. And I've titled tonight's sermon, Don't Forget Who You Are. I think that fits perfectly with what we talked about this morning. Now in our passage, Israel did not begin its existence in defiance to God. Now as we read that passage and we see the things that are being stated about Israel, their rebellion, their mistreatment of one another, uh, their refusal to repent and to be what God wants them to be, they didn't start out that way. But over time, in fact, it took 2,500 years, not for, uh, well, 2,500 years for Israel to come to the point where their relationship ended. You had 1,500 years of the patriarchal period, and then 2,500 years of Israel as God's nation. And over that period of time, little by little, they became what God did not need them to be, nor what He did not, uh, or what He did not want them to be. But why was that? Why was it that that happened? I believe it happened because they, they simply forgot who they were. Now, it may have been because that's what they chose to do. And normally that's what it is. But they forgot who they were. Now there's a path that leads to destruction or leads to life. There's one path that leads to life. There is a path that leads to destruction. I say a path because there are several. And Israel chose to walk upon one of those paths and on several of those paths. But they forgot who they were they slowly began to depart from God down these various pathways, choosing different ways to go, making choices incorrectly, choosing the wrong thing time after time after time. Now we heard Jesus' warning this morning in Matthew seven thirteen and 14 about choosing the narrow path, the straight gate, because there's few people that find that. God has expected us to make those choices from the very beginning of time. He expected the first couple to make that choice. They chose wrongly. The Bible is full of examples after example after example of people making choices, many of them making the incorrect choice, many of them making the correct choice, though it is very difficult or was very difficult at, at times. But it seems to me as I study the history of Israel, though there was always a faithful remnant, for the most part, 
what I gather from the study of their history is that more often than not, they chose the wrong way. They made the incorrect choice. And they were continually forgetting who they were. They forgot they were God's chosen people and they assimilated themselves into the pagan nations, the Gentiles who lived around them and they began to act like them and they began to do the things they did. And they simply forgot who they were. Because of that, God sent Jeremiah to to remind His people who they were, what their purpose was, who God was, and what He expected from them. And His pleas and His tears are seen throughout the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations as He wept over the nation He loved. An example of a typical statement found in those books Jeremiah 2.32 says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. How sad is that? God's own people had forgotten Him days without number. What does that mean? They continually forgot. They continually chose the wrong way. Days without number. Jeremiah 2.13 For my people have committed two evils. He said, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Okay. As if that weren't bad enough. But they also hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Not only did they forsake the living water, they dug out a cistern that wouldn't even hold any water to collect what they thought was better water. They made two poor choices. Now the obvious problem is the people made the wrong choice in trying to live outside of the guidance of God. That's that's never going to be successful. Now, there are a lot of people in this world who credit themselves with wisdom far beyond God's wisdom. That they can live according to what they want to do. They can behave the way they want to behave. doesn't matter what God wants. They're smarter. They know more. But notice what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 10, 23, in his prayer. He made the statement, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. That's what we see. Israel tried to direct their steps. The people in the world today tried to direct their steps. They know better. Look at our government. Look at our government. Look at the governments in Europe. You know, it's a shame when an Islamic government will stand against the sins that God stands against. That doesn't make them right in their beliefs, but they stand against the sins God stands against more than our own government does. That's a shame. That's a shame. They stand against homosexual uh, marriage, homosexuality in general. They stand against murdering unborn children. They stand against all of that. Now, they're wrong. They're hateful people. But they'll stand against things God stands against when our own nation won't do it. That's pitiful, isn't it? That's because our own nation and the nations, other, other nations around the world are trying to direct their own steps. They feel like they know better. And that's not the case. Human history is full of leaders making poor 
choices. Doing the wrong things. And why in the world would we be surprised when we have a nation full of people choosing the wrong thing when our leaders do that? When our examples do that? That's why we must never forget who we are. And we better understand that in relation to who Christ is. The decisions which led to Israel's departure in forgetting who they are is seen in our passage. But it doesn't just simply apply to Israel of old. That is very applicable to God's spiritual Israel today. In God's message of don't forget who you are, He made a declaration through Jeremiah. That's our first point. The people to whom He spoke, and I want us to notice that, Jeremiah 5, beginning with verse 20. Declare this in the house of Jacob, and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Who's he talking to? Jeremiah is sending the message. Who is supposed to publish this in the house of Judah? Is it the foolish? The foolish aren't going to do that. He's talking to the faithful, whatever remnant that is. His declaration is to the faithful. Listen, we have to straighten this mess out. That's in essence what he's saying, right? He wanted them to deliver his message of judgment. God was looking for those who were still willing to do that which was right. He wanted someone who had the welfare of the people at heart, those who wanted to defend God's stance on everything, and He wanted them to rebuke the behaviors of those who were not being faithful. That's what He demands. And He demands that from the faithful. But what does it mean to be faithful? We have to understand that, right? What does it mean to be faithful? Does it simply mean that we're not doing, we're not committing a sin? We're not living in an active way that goes against what God wants? I think it, it goes beyond that. It goes to making the right choice every single Now, the right choice may be that I need to do something I'm uncomfortable with doing. But we still have to make the right choice. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 2, he said, Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Deliver the Gospel message. Repeat what God has delivered through the prophets. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? Why Why did Timothy need to hear that? Why do we need to hear it today? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, meaning they want their ears scratched with the message they want to hear. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So what... What did Paul really mean? Speak the truth always. Always make the correct decision. Stand by. Be attentive. That's what he's talking about. Look at the opportunities that come our way and take advantage of those. Deliver that message always. Preach and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was talking about. 
It guides our steps, right? The gospel does. It teaches us the way in which we ought to go. It tells us where we are in relationship to God. When we mess up, it helps us to get right. It helps us to stay true in the direction in which we need to go. Isn't it a sad thing when elders and leaders and preachers and teachers, when they change the Word of God and begin to substitute their own opinion, the things that they like better than God's Word, we see it all through the world. We see it in our own city. We see things happening like that among once faithful congregations, but it's the world over. It's the world over. And we have to be careful with that. We can never forget who we are. The faithful, we're told, don't forget who you are. And you have to address the foolish. Because they're not going to address themselves. They need help. They need direct uh, direction in how to come out of where they are. That's what Jeremiah was doing. God said His people had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes they couldn't see. They could not see the wisdom in God's Word. They could not hear His voice in His commandments. They didn't want to be guided. They didn't think that His government, the way He had set up the, the, the national government, the theocracy in Israel, they couldn't see the benefit in that. They just simply could not hear His voice because they did not want to. It wasn't that they didn't have ears. It wasn't that they did not have eyes. And they had no fear of God. They had no fear of God who had set an impassable barrier of the mighty waves of the sea. Notice, continuing what he said, beginning with verse 22. He said, Fear ye not me? Are you not afraid? saith the Lord. Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail? Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it? See, they see all of the evidences that God has set forth. He showed them, yet they refuse to see it. We can see in general, uh, general providence that God, someone, has set all of this in order. It did not just happen. Now, he used the word me here to place emphasis on the fact that they should have had a reverential fear and respect for the God of heaven. But they didn't fear Him. They didn't fear the all-powerful force that created and set in, in motion and set bounds around the natural world. Why in the world are the stars and the planets not collapsing onto us and destroying everything? Why are things set in motion and they, they operate to a pattern? Why does that happen? How come the seas aren't coming forth and, and simply just flowing over everything and destroying everything? Because God said it wasn't going to be that way. He set those natural boundaries. He set things in motion. Jeremiah had previously pointed out, that through their foolishness, the people had brought disaster upon themselves. He's reminding them, Jeremiah 4, verse 18 through 22, he showed how their refusal to be corrected or to correct themselves would bring about and had brought about 
terrible punishments, Jeremiah 5, 3. They've certainly forgotten who they were. They forgot who God was. They didn't desire to be what God needed them to be or wanted them to be. He wasn't what, they weren't what He expected at all. And we see that in the declaration. But here's what we, what we are reminded of. Here's what we're told of what brought them to that point. Within that declaration, we see the elimination of God from the hearts and the minds of the people. Continue reading what he says, verse 23. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. They rebelled, didn't they? They rebelled because of their callous heart. They eliminated God from their lives. They had all of these evidences and they simply ignored it and they decided they did not want to remember who they were. When people decide to circumvent God's authority, He has a few statements of His own. God can ask a few questions Himself. Now, Job was a faithful man. But he was just a man and he made a few mistakes along the way. During this whole battle that he endured of being collateral damage between a war between God and Satan, really it's not a war. Uh, a war would indicate either side having an opportunity to win. Satan was simply trying to hurt God the best way he could and that was to hurt his creation. But while all of that was going on, Job was under the misunderstanding that God was punishing him for something. Or that God was doing whatever He was doing and Job didn't fully understand it. But he was saying or felt like God was doing that. And so he kind of questioned God at one point. In Job 38 verse 4, he asked Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. He wanted Job to understand, if you believe you have the answers... And you've decided in your mind exactly what's going on here and why it's happening. You tell me, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? If you've got that understanding and you're so wise, where were you? Well, we ought to ask the world that question, right? Or he may ask this, Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? Job 38.8 You're so smart, you're so wise. Where were you when that happened? Did you have any power over that? Exactly who caused that to happen? See, that's what the world is doing. Jeremiah was making the point. If nature cannot rebel against God, who in the world, in their right mind, would ever believe a people could? We can't ignore His commandments. But when we forget who we are, we will. God had shown and does show His power and His love and His guidance through all that He's given us. It's the same in the spiritual realm. God has provided a great harvest for us. But we simply need to work appropriately in the vineyard. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. People have a stubborn and a rebellious heart. That's what God said through the voice of Jeremiah. Most will never bow. 
beneath the power of His hand in this life. And because of that, Israel forgot who they were. That's a warning to us. When God's people forget who they are, that rebellion leads to being reprobate. That means we leave. We just leave the presence of God. That's where rebellion leads. An attitude of rebellion is never a good attitude. We have rebellion in this life, and when we learn it as children against our parents, can we ever expect that child to not be in rebellion to God? The people brought about the withdrawal of God's blessings through their disobedience. Among the people, there were wicked men who set snares for the people. Now here's how Jeremiah described them. There were men during that time that made their living by catching wild birds. Okay, In order to catch a wild bird, they would take a cage out and they would put a tame bird or a domesticated bird in the cage or sitting on the cage And then the other birds, the wild ones, would come to it thinking, well, that looks normal, that's just how it ought to be, right? And he uses that example to say those wicked men set a snare for the people. They taught something, and in that teaching, the people, because they were rebellious, because they were reprobate, because they didn't care, they didn't put forth the effort to understand, they said, well, that looks normal. That looks like how it ought to be. And so they were snared. That same approach was used. That's very plain, isn't it? That tells us, do we see that in the world today? Sure. We see people who claim to be Christians who who tell us, well, just call on the name of the Lord or whatever the case may be. Well, that sounds normal. They seem to be spiritual. But see, we have to dig in. We have to look. Paul warned, 2 Corinthians 11, 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know, that's deceitful, isn't it? Here's what Jeremiah warned. Those wicked people were being deceitful. And they were going to stand in judgment before God. Same thing's happening in the spiritual world today. People who draw others away are going to stand in judgment. Does that take the responsibility away from the one being drawn away? Absolutely not. They're going to stand in judgment also. But the one who helps them to become lost will answer for that. Notice what God said concerning Israel in Jeroboam. He said He would give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam. 1 Kings 14 verse 6 Who did sin? He's going to give Israel up because Jeremiah or Jeroboam did sin, and who made Israel to sin? He set up a couple calves in the northern kingdom, one in Dan, one in Bethel. He said, This is your God, go worship there. The people were responsible for their own actions. They knew they needed to go to Jerusalem to worship, but Jeroboam caused it to happen. He encouraged them to do it, and he would stand in judgment. The one who committed sin would be judged, but the one who caused it, the one who reveled in it, the one who supported it, according to Paul, Romans ten, uh, Romans one thirty two would stand in judgment also. See, we have to continually guard against not forgetting who we are. Let's never forget who we are. If we're not vigilant, it's going to become so much easier. For Satan to distract us, 
for, to, uh, for Satan to cause us to uh, leave where we know we ought to be. So we have to be careful. We have to be vigilant. God in His determination of judgment asked a rhetorical question. So we see the declaration. And now finally we're being brought to the determination. That's our third and final point. He asked a question. He asked a rhetorical question. Jeremiah 5.29, he said, Shall I not punish them for these things? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? That's a rhetorical question. Will God punish sin every single time? Will God avenge Himself every single time? And He would do that by punishing the wicked and the insubordinate. That happens when we forget who we are. What would make those people think otherwise? What makes the world believe that, that God will just simply overlook every single thing we've ever done when we don't repent, when we don't become what He needs us to be? That very action indicates they forgot who they were. At one time they were God's faithful people, right? They had forgotten who they were. Their own wisdom brought them to this destruction. Paul talked about that 1 Corinthians 1, 18-21. The world calls it foolishness. God says, I'll save you with my foolishness, not the wisdom of the world. He was being sarcastic when he made that statement. When people believe their wisdom is greater than God's wisdom, we have a big problem. And it's going to be an eternal problem. The actions of those Wicked people can be better understood when we look exactly at the words used to describe that. The idea of this passage is the people were in a position to help other people. But they refused. Not only did they refuse, but they took advantage of other people's disadvantage to their profit. That's not what God's people do. The phrase, uh, they surpass the deeds of the wicked is literally translated, they pass over deeds of evil. They did not plead the cause of God. They weren't interested in that, and they allowed the sin to continue. And Jeremiah asked, do the people really believe that God's going to overlook this? Do you know what God called those sins that He would punish? He said they're astonishing. And not in a good sense, right? He's going to avenge in His declaration. But He's going to avenge because the sin is astonishing. It's unbelievable. How in the world could anyone even expect that to happen? The sins were so bad that Israel believed they could continue in them. They forgot who they were. They forgot whose people they were. They forgot who God was. The the leaders were appalling in their actions. The leaders were appalling. And that shows just how warped their perception was. God's not going to tolerate that. The indictment of verse 31 places the responsibility firmly at the feet of those in charge. Let's read verse 31 of Jeremiah 5. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end Thereof. Notice again what those phrases intend. 
The priests rule by their own power. Now, that can have varying translated meanings, but it, but it could mean upon their hand. Perhaps the prophets directed their sin. Maybe the priests would not acknowledge any authority beyond their own. But as sinful as the situation had become, whatever the case, the people loved it. They loved it to be that way. They wanted more of that. Maybe the saddest statement or question in this whole passage, but what will you do in the end? Isn't there always going to be an end? We live in a world that has a beginning and has an ending. Everything in this world has a beginning and an ending. There will always be an ending. And the ending will be judgment. Now we can choose. We can choose what that judgment's going to be. Jesus warned this, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Now in the context of Jeremiah, the people refused to repent, so an army from the north was going to come invade the nation, and take them captive. They would lay siege to Jerusalem. They had rejected God's counsel. They had rejected His wisdom. And with that comes destruction every single time. Now, spiritual Israel can suffer in the same way if we forget who we are. All the the outward sacrificial service will do no good if we are not determined to implement God's standard of Christianity instead of our own. That's what we have to be careful of. The simple plea of God through Jeremiah was this. Jeremiah 6.16 Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. But the sad reply for physical Israel at that time was, We will not walk therein. The world is full of that reply. That's not what we want. That was the challenge Israel faced. And that was their answer. What's our answer going to be today? Let's not forget who we are. Let's answer correctly. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. Let's always remember who we are. Let's always remember who God is and what He expects from us. And let's behave accordingly. I hope we all determine to walk His paths, follow His teachings, observe His commandments, have the faith that comes from His Word, and always demonstrate who we are to the world around us. Not only should we never forget who we are, those people who know us should never forget who we are. If they can't differentiate between us and the rest of the world, we're not doing a very good job. Wear His name today through initial obedience or through coming back because maybe you've forgotten who you are. If you have need to answer this Lord's invitation, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.